0: Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you improve your communication. I'll also be interviewing Mike Weinberg, who is one of the most trusted and relevant sales experts in the world today. He reviews his book, Sales Truth, that is an honest wake-up call to salespeople and sales leaders that exposes the myths and the latest fads that are hindering your success. For more information about Mike, please visit mikeweinberg.com. You may also purchase his book on Amazon or in the previous guest products in both stores at either jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m. and Saturday at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name James Miller Lifeology or simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com. Are you struggling to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationship struggling or you aren't sure how to make long-lasting changes? Then contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we will look at the areas in which you're struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long-lasting changes. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, Work with James. Fill out that form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page Work With James. Fill out that form to get started today. Effective communication We all like to think we communicate, but how effective are we? When we engage with other people, we often ask them certain questions to understand what they're experiencing. Have you ever found that some people just aren't that talkative? And when they're not talkative, can sometimes feel like it's a one-sided conversation. If you were the person asking questions, have you ever thought about how you even ask them questions? I have been a psychotherapist for years now. And in that, it's very important to learn how to ask questions a certain way. At the beginning of a session, I will ask questions in a certain format. And towards the end, I will change that format because it's time to wrap up. Now, when I'm in the conversations with friends, I don't necessarily think about it that way. But this is the format. If you want to get more information from someone or want to learn more about something, you ask what's called an open-ended question. If you want to shut down a conversation or it's time for you to leave, you start to ask closed-ended questions. An open-ended question is this, James, tell me about your day today. A closed-ended question would be, James, did you have a good day today? Now, they may sound the same, but the difference is this, an open-ended question always allows the person to fill in the blank. So when they tell me about their day, then that gives me more information to ask even another open-ended question. Now, the closed version of that is, did you have a good day? The person subconsciously is forced to say yes or no. However, when you ask a closed-ended question for somebody, sometimes they have another version of what they'd like to say, but because you've only given them a this or that, yes or no opportunity, it often pigeonholes them into saying something when that may not have been what they wanted to say. Now, that's a very mundane question to ask, but think about that in the broader spectrum. If you really want some information about something, it's important to learn how to ask open-ended questions. The more open-ended the question is, the more expansive the response will be, and that allows you to have more information. And once you have more information, you then determine, do you need more information or do you want more information? Because in asking these open-ended questions, you'll find that people are drawn more to you. You'll find that people, unfortunately, really like to talk about themselves. Now, the importance of a closed-ended question is simply a way to set boundaries within a conversation. So, if I continue to ask closed ended questions, it subconsciously creates a social boundary or barrier between the two of us because I'm not validating their experience or I'm not giving them the opportunity to talk more about it. So, it's a very subtle way in how to influence the way you interact with others. So, keep in mind the more effective your communication is based off of open ended or closed ended questions will determine the productivity of how effective that communication is. I have a fantastic interview with Mike Weinberg today. He is one of the top sales experts in the world, and he's going to give you really powerful information to help you be even more successful than you already are. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and sign up for the free weekly recap. My guest today is Mike Weinberg, who is one of the most trusted and relevant sales experts in the world today. He reviews his book, Sales Truth, that is an honest wake-up call to salespeople and sales leaders that exposes the myths and latest fads that are hindering your success. Welcome to my show, Mike. James, this is a total treat for me. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you. When your book was first pitched to me by your salespeople, who did a fantastic job, by the way, I was a little uncertain at first. But the more we talked and the more I got to read it and learn more about you, I thought it was very similar to our personal lives. You know, we have, and every day we try and influence people or try and pitch whatever we have in our life to have people, you know, to essentially (laughs) have people help us do what we need to do. So this is going to be a really great show today.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited. And you know what? Life is all about relationships, and that's really what sales is so this will be great yes
0: exactly now how did you even get into the sales world I mean you're an expert in this but what happened for you that all of a sudden you're like I want to do this James
1: my family my dad particularly laughs at me because I grew up saying I'm never gonna be in sales I don't like sales (laughs) you know I was I was president of the business fraternity in college and thought I'm too smart for sales and uh, that's because my dad was always a sales Uh executive so it was kind of my you know father resistance thing (laughs) I understand. And then and then uh, I had a couple jobs early in my career that gave me exposure to what real professional selling mm-hmm. was and I worked for the guy that owned a Thompson Medical company which actually moved from New York to where you are in, in Palm Beach. Oh, wow, okay. And um and I got to go on a lot of sales calls uh, with him on our calling on our largest customers and watching him sell as an executive. I learned pretty quickly that sales was not about pushing stuff on people. Mm. Um, it wasn't about being manipulative. Uh, it wasn't about pitching product. It was about understanding somebody else's needs and building a relationship and and understanding their current situation and also the future state that they'd like to be in. And then if you were likable and you were consultative and you understood how to help them get where they want to go, you could succeed in sales. If you if they had a need and you had a solution, and it, it was a good fit. A, a relationship would emerge, and then you do more business as it was mutually valuable. You know, so that's you know, it was a total like shocking wake up call yes. for me. I think that's what sales.
0: Is. You know, and hearing you say that, you know, that's it's a completely different uh, perspective of how I'm. I've usually been around certain salespeople and everyone has, I guess, has a different style, (laughs) doesn't mean it's effective, but you know, you have this, you know, in the, in the media, it talks about certain types of salespeople who are very sleazy or slimy. And, and I just use those words very loosely, but the way of trying to just make the money, but not necessarily create the relationship aspect. And so, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's the stare,
1: unfortunately and your listeners, I'm sure, know this. They see it. it mm-hmm. That stereotype is often deserved. Yeah. A lot of moron salespeople have ruined it for the good ones. <laughs> um, but my my dad said this to me. This was like the talk. You know, when we were little, he gave you give you get the talk from your dad. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the the second talk was when I moved into sales, and he said, "Listen to me." He goes, "Michael," and he's the only guy in the world that calls me Michael. <laughs> he said, "Michael, the deal is in sales. Your motivation has to be to make your customer as successful as mm-hmm. possible." And if your goal is always to help them win, then you will always win in sales. And man, think how pure motivation that is. And the same applies in in all friendships and relationships, even even with your family, Mm -hmm. right? When you want the best outcome for someone else, your motivation is pure, so I don't want to sell somebody something they don't want or yeah. need. If I, I'll walk away. But if I know what what matters to them and I can produce a great outcome, then I'm really motivated to get in a conversation because I think I can I can free them from something they may be trapped in or help them produce a better result. That's what real sales is.
0: You know, even hearing you say that. You know, whatever you'd be selling, just, just hearing just this just conversation with you right now. I'm already sold. Like, I want to buy whatever it is you want you're selling right now. But I do, I really like your, your the, the real uh, denotation, in other words, the real definition of what selling is. Because it's, like you said, so many people have made it um, a, a, a negative for, for so many people or negative experience for so many people. Let's jump into your book here. You've, as I'm looking at this, I mean, this is a fantastic book, packed full of so many things. You you talk about so many aspects of it, but there's one thing that I thought was really interesting. You talked about the 2016 elections and how that is, we can actually learn a lot of sales things from that. Could you give us a little bit of information about that?
1: Yeah, it's a dangerous topic, right? Mm Because our nation couldn't be more divided. And people, there's no, unfortunately, there's no more rational civil discourse on anything political. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I wrote this chapter, I mean, the the publisher came back to me in the middle of my writing and said, I'm not sure we can include this in the book. And I'm like, Listen, you wimps, it's a book called Sales Truth. We're going to tell the truth. Yeah. I'm not taking any sides. Sure. I, I ran the manuscript by people on the left and the right, mm-hmm. and I played it right down the middle. I voted for myself in the election. <laughs> I couldn't vote for either of those people for my own reasons. Sure, yeah. So so what I did was I just saw during the election as it unfold, there are sales lessons for everyone mm-hmm. because because so much happened that caused Trump to win And Hillary to lose, and I think that I mean I think she really did some things that caused her to lose, and he did a few things that caused him to to win. And regardless of where you sit politically, there are lessons that we can we can take away from it. I'll I'll use one as an example. Um, uh, not ignoring your 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 best customers, and I'm I'm always yelling at salespeople. Well, don't overserve your favorite customers. Like spend time with the ones that Mm -hmm. you don't really like that you can sell more to. If they buy everything from you, don't go there too much. But Hillary took that to an extreme. You know, she's the first major party candidate not to visit a state when she was nominated. In other words, after she was nominated as the candidate, she didn't show up to the state of Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats, you know, that's that blue wall in the Rust Belt that's been reliably Democratic since Reagan. But she didn't show up one time in the state of Wisconsin to say, hey, thank you. I need you. I appreciate you. Please vote for me. Well, on Election Day, she lost the state of Wisconsin by seven-tenths of one mm, percent. Oh, my gosh. Wait. Wow. Like, if she would have landed and run a 10-minute rally at airport, we might have a different president sure. today. So, so there's just one lesson, right? So the sales lesson don't ignore your customers because things change. Uh, your best contacts move on. Uh, power shifts. Uh, their needs may change, mm-hmm. and you better keep in touch with them. So, so there's, there's one example. I'll, I'll give you one more um, uh, when, where the sale is really made. I love watching the political conventions. I'm probably a nut. I think it's, it's funny, the hats, the flags, yeah. the patriotism. And I watch both conventions. Sure. Um, and every year, every four years, the Democratic convention absolutely trumps the Republican convention. Not, no, no pun intended. <laughs> and it's, some of it is, I think, because you have a lot of Hollywood behind the Democrats, and they have just a, more supporters that are better at production mm-hmm, quality. True. And they just, they're just better at putting on a show. And that was never more true than in 2016. Uh, the, the Republican convention was an unmitigated disaster. They didn't get along, there were no details. Scott Bale from Happy Days was the opening speaker. <laughs> oh my right? gosh. And even on the, the night that Ted Cruz spoke, he, uh, he trashed Trump and told people, vote your conscience. Like, nothing was mm-hmm. good about it. From Beautiful, a presentation too. in a sales room, you know, in a boardroom, it was a disaster. Hillary was flawless. It was emotional, it was well-produced, the confetti, the balloons, her white suit, the, every, Bernie Sanders endorsing her. Everybody was smiling, good feelings. But at the end of the day, who won the election? Yeah. And the message there to the salesperson is you don't win in the boardroom with by being a silver-tongued devil and presenting perfectly. You win the deal by getting to know the people mm-hmm. on the front end and doing discovery and building consensus and then after you do the big presentation you follow up well and you drive things home and you articulate value and 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 while Trump's convention was a disaster it didn't cost him the deal mm-hmm. So there's just a couple examples, and there are are seven like that in the book, and I I promise you, there's no politics. Sure, of course. Everyone will be mad reading it, because no matter which way you look (laughs) at it, you're going to think, I'm I'm on the other side, but just trust me, there's a lot we could take away from these levels. Yeah,
0: definitely. And that's one thing, obviously, about my show. It's apolitical, so I'm really glad to hear that. It's you look at all aspects of it, because it is a very practical thing. Everyone knew about that. Everyone watched it. Everyone's a part of it here in the US, and so there are a lot of takeaways, and that's one of the major things I like to look at, as well, is in every situation we're in, you either be a stumbling block or a stepping stone. And the way to figure that out is to simply say, what did I learn about myself right this second? Or What is this lesson teaching me? And so if, if we're struggling with that, we can look at the world around us because there's always a lesson that we can learn from anything that we, that we view. So this is, this is great information as well. How can you really tell the difference between a salesperson who is really on their game and, and is an expert, if you will, and those individuals who are not? Because I think so many times there's, there's smoke and mirrors, um, and in that, it can be very confusing for people.
1: I've never been asked that question that way. That's really deep. Uh, I'm going to give you an interesting <laughs> take on it. You make, you're making me think. <laughs> I love this. Um, I think, and this is going to be counterintuitive, okay. um, but everyone, I want you to hear this. The true expert in sales speaks less mm. and is, doesn't walk into a conversation in pitch mode, leading with their product or their solution. The true expert seeks to understand and do discovery before they go into presentation mode. They don't lead with the demo of their software or their product or their car, you know, plug in the type of thing mm-hmm. that you might be buying or you experience this. They go in and yeah, they they might position themselves a little bit with some messaging to explain how they help other people, but then they will quickly make the focus of the conversation, the prospect or the customer their pain that they'd like removed, their problems they would like solved, their better results they would love, the outcomes, those are all outcomes that they want to achieve. And they'll ask great questions to understand the current state and the desired future state of that customer. And the the amateur doesn't know to do that or is too insecure or thinks that sales is about talking and pitching. So they go in and dump samples on the table or, you know, I had this experience I wrote about in the book. I went I was looking for a car and I went into the Audi dealership because I knew they had a quiet interior. Mm -hmm. And I had three kids in college spread out across the Midwest and I was just going to have a ton of long road trips. And I wanted, I'm old, like I have a fun sports car, but I wanted my my day car to be quiet, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> right? And this young sales guy sits down next to me and he, for 10 minutes, he launched into some pre-rehearsed pitch about the virtual cockpit and all the technology and the heads up mm. display. He didn't even ask me yeah, why I was there, what was I was looking for. I'm like, and when he was done, after about 10 minutes, I said, thanks so much. And I got up and I walked out. Yeah, And, and so different. You know, and later in the book, I tell a story of the the best car sales guy in America in north america he's the, his name is Tom, and he's number one. He sold four hundred and ninety cars last year. Everyone knows who he Holy is moly. and um, my first experience with him was was very different. He said, "Hey, why are you here?" And I mean are you, you don't do you, do you see yourself as a Volvo guy?" And I said, "You know I really haven't. I've had all these other more key brands, but there's something about this new model, but I, I take my car to a lot of clients and I pick clients up at the airport and I'm, I need to know what the car, like what message it's going to send. I mm-hmm, don't want it to be exactly. super the branding, nice, but so anyway, you know, you know what this guy did? He's so brilliant. He goes, hop on, come with me. And he picks out this beautiful new, gorgeous car in the in the model that I liked. And I go to get in the driver's seat and he says, no, 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 I'm going to drive. You get in the passenger seat. And I'm like, well, this is different. Yeah, wow. He takes that. me to a local park. He makes me get out. He goes, get out and just watch <laughs> And for the next five minutes, he drove up to where I was standing from all different angles and drove like laps around me in the park. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow. and he finally comes back to me and he goes, hey, I wanted you to see the car from all the angles, the way your clients will see it when you pull to pick them up at the airport or That's at their office. And I'm like, you listen to me. Yeah. That The difference between what he did and the idiot telling me about some <laughs> technology package that I didn't care about. I mean, and everyone who's listening to this can relate to the... The moron salesperson mm-hmm. who shows up with the clipboard in pitch mode, versus someone who's actually a consultant or a value creator. You know, I
0: really like that reframing. That that's
1: great. yeah, that's yeah. It. And that that we want to be a trusted advisor, mm. right? Well, you can't be trusted if you go in in pitch mode. So that's the best way I would say to discern between the pro and the amateur.
0: You know, and piggyback off that as well. It's interesting. So in psychology. Um, or just even the medical field and psychology as well. There, I can't remember the exact statistic, but if what it basically says, if if one of us listens to the very brand new patient more than ninety seconds, there's an eighty percent chance that that will be a longstanding patient. It's because you just simply listen, whereas we've all had some of those individuals who come in and they just tell you exactly what is wrong with you and they don't even hear what the why you're there. And so from a medical psychology standpoint, it's very similar to the sales part as well is if you just simply listen, you will find that you will have a, a patient or a customer for life.
1: Oh, James, you're brilliant like that. <laughs> I could use that analogy. I mean, I, that's so on target for sales. I tell a story when I lead workshops trying to get people to understand this. Uh, imagine you go to a doctor and right? you have some mystery illness. And you walk in and then the doctor comes in the room. She closes the door and for 10 minutes tells you how great she is and where she went <laughs> to med school. And then for the next 10 minutes, she, she pitches you this wonder drug from her favorite pharmaceutical uh-huh. company. And then she writes you a prescription. You'd run away so fast. She didn't even ask you a question. She didn't examine yeah. you. But that's what salespeople do. How can you? It's, it's medical malpractice to write a prescription, right? Yes. It's a, without doing the diagnosis. Uh-huh. And in sales, I, I like to say that to do a presentation without doing discovery is sales malpractice. Mm. It's the same thing. I love the way you position that.
0: Wow. Wow. I really, and I love how you piggyback off that as well. I mean, that's, it is very interesting because when you don't do your due diligence, it, it's you're just wasting everybody's time. Norman Vincent Peale, he wrote Power of Positive Thinking. In, in that, he said, um, you find a need and you fill it. And that's really the same concept when it comes to, to, to what we're talking about right now. You find the need, you discover what it is, and then you fill it with your expertise. And that's how you will become successful. And that's why so many individuals nowadays, they find a need in the culture, in the world, and they create some random invention, and then they sell it for millions. <laughs>
1: It's, it's perfect. It's perfect. And if they don't have a need, you're not going to sell them anything. Yeah. One, one of the questions I, I teach salespeople to ask in a sales call, if they're in a meeting with a prospect and the prospect just won't talk. And every time my salesperson asks the question, the prospect goes, oh, we're good. We're happy. We're fine. We got it covered. That's just a common defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Right? They, don't, they just don't want to reveal anything. And so when, when that happens to me, I'll pause and I'll look right at the customer and I'll say, listen, it's great to hear that you're happy. Let me just ask you a question, though are you like 10 happy or are you more like six happy? Ah, interesting. And then, you know, you do a little bit of snark, a little bit of smile, and I just sit there and I wait for an answer. I don't move. I mm-hmm. don't feel the, the, that awkward silence. And a lot of time when you ask that question, the person pauses and they go, hmm. And then they go, you know what? I'm not really 10 happy. There's this one thing. Yeah. And, and that's awesome. But, but every once in a while they'll come back and they'll say to me, you know, Mike, I am really 10 happy. And I'll say, that's incredible. I almost never hear that. If you're ever not 10 happy, call me. Yeah. I'd love to be your backup. But no one's changing providers mm-hmm. if they're 10 out of 10. Happy. Yeah, of Why course. Would you go through that hassle? That's crazy. So I'm with you. If there's no need, there's nothing to sell. And if more salespeople would adopt that attitude, one, the trust of the entire profession would go through the mm,
0: roof. Gosh,
1: yeah. Because you sell with integrity. My friend, Anthony Annarino, I think is the, the smartest guy in the sales business. And he wrote the foreword to the, the sales truth book. He always says this. Sales is not something you do to somebody. It's something you do with somebody for somebody. Mm. I mean, could you imagine how wow. much differently we'd all be perceived yes. if that was the mentality and the motivation? That That's huge.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, that that really is. I mean, because once again, I'm thinking about is, and I don't mean to harp on, on some of these individuals, but some of them use car salesmen and they're amazing people. So those of you who maybe use car salesmen, this is not about you, but stereotype of what we hear about those people. But that whole aspect of you go in with your guard up, knowing that you're going to get bamboozled in some way, but hearing the way you're presenting this, I literally would be like, okay, whatever you have, I'll buy. <laughs> because you, you, you've you engendered that trust, you engender that integrity. And that for me, that's something that, and I'm sure everyone else as well, that is incredibly important because you know that, you're going to get the truth of something, not the bells and whistles that will probably fade within a couple of weeks.
1: Absolutely. You cannot, you can't. integrity is everything. Yeah. I mean that, that you have to, I, I have, it happens all the time. Someone will ask me, you know, Hey, what's your price? And and are you available to come speak to my team? And I'm like, well, hold on. I, first of all, I can't price it because I don't know what we're doing mm-hmm. yet. But yeah. second of all, how do I know I'm even a fit or that your objectives align with where I'm an expert? So and if and if we have a discovery conversation, which what a sales call should be is a discovery meeting to see if there's a fit. And I find out that what they need help with is not in the center of my strike zone. I immediately stop and say, hey, you know what? I'm not the right fit for you.
0: You know, it really makes me think about a lot of the experts or individuals we may see in social media that. It's more about how many likes you get or how many people read your article. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, then that person must be an expert. But with what you're saying here is you really discover, are you the best person for it? You don't do it for the accolades. You don't do it for the money. You do it because it's it's what is within the auspice. In other words, what's, what's within your expertise. And I think so many people want just the bells and whistles. Exactly. The money follows. Yeah.
1: The money and the winds follow always. if your motivation, like my dad said, is to help the customer. If yeah. You don't, you don't even worry about. It. You sell from an abundance mentality. There's always another opportunity. Always. And you never try to push over someone on something. That's ridiculous. Yeah,
0: it really. And that's what once again, that's. I think it goes back to maybe answering my own question. Is that's how you know who the expert is? Is those individuals who really listen and to see if they're even the right fit for you. And I think. Obviously, your book really demonstrates that as well.
1: Yeah, you, that's per- you could be a sales coach, James. If, <laughs> if this thing, I know is, as big as you are and as much as your are if it doesn't work out, you could jo- co- join me for sales coaching. Well, you, get Mike,
0: this. you never know, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and to purchase this phenomenal book, Sales Truth, where would they find this information online?
1: Yeah, my uh, my website is real simple. It's mikeweinberg.com. And I'm real active on social channels, especially Twitter and Instagram. And it's Mike underscore Weinberg. Excellent.
0: Well, my listeners also know that if you're not able to find your book any other place, once again, the name of the book is Sales Truth. Simply go to both stores at either jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv. Once again, Mike, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on my show today. I really did appreciate this conversation.
1: This was so much fun. Thank you, James.
0: I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap,